Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Kander. And I'm Ravi Gupta. And this is Majority 54, the podcast for meaningful conversations that change minds, change votes, and win elections. A little something different. Ravi and I are in the same place uh, this morning. We are sitting uncomfortably close because of the setup of the podcast setup here in the upstairs office in my house. Ravi is in town because the Bills are in town to play the Chiefs in the playoffs. And we are doing a Majority 54 tailgate today. It's very exciting. So we decided we'll do the podcast in person. And uh, my daughter is asleep in the other room. Uh, and Which is why your voice is a little lower yeah, than normal, I would say. That's right. Yeah. So we're, 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 it feels like we're doing something wrong, but yeah. we're not. Yeah, maybe. We don't know yet. We'll <laughs> yeah, wait yeah. till the episode's over. You tell us. Yeah. If you hear a baby crying, then, you know. I was too loud. I got too animated. So should we just talk shit now about the teams? Yeah, I think this is good because we don't know the outcome. So we're recording yeah. this on Sunday morning before the game. We're going to do a tailgate out there. And, and I want to shout out Lita, one of our listeners who's been organizing a tailgate. And I think that's an opportunity for me to clear the air a little bit with the city of Kansas City. Oh, and before you do that, let's also shout out Brian Roseman, who's making all the food and mm. cooking all the all the meat and, and such for it, but and, and veggies. And I would just like to uh, let the listeners know that we're not going to talk about this the entire time. We've no. allotted a couple minutes here at the beginning of the show, and I promise we're going to talk about politics. And I'm going to make this about more than sports, really. Yeah. Like sports is a metaphor for life, and so it's a good opportunity to clear the air with the city of Kansas City because I went online this week and was talking trash to to Kansas City people. And first of all, I'm from Staten Island, so that's my love language, is fighting with people as a way of showing my respect. Uh, And I realized in in looking at data online that second to New York City, second most followers online are from the city of Kansas City because the majority 54. And so I want to say, you know, not knowing the outcome of this game, that I have tremendous love and respect for the city. Uh, That's why I've been trying to antagonize you over this game, just to see what I can get away with. But I took this week as an opportunity because I don't really go online a lot on Twitter and argue with people. I said, what if I just do all the things I try to avoid, Like, like lean into my bias, have motivated reasoning, defend a position, even if I'm not entirely sure what it is, just pick arbitrary stuff name call like it, and I did basically all of that this week and it felt kind of good to just like get that out of my system a little bit you know I mean this is what motivated you to do your first TikTok yes oh yeah so I did my first TikTok you can follow me at Shaolindian um, like Shaolin Dian <laughs> which is a play on I'm from Staten Island and I'm Indian so follow me I have like somehow 25 followers, but my first video did really well. I think I had like 20,000 views or something because incendiary content, whether it's sports or politics, apparently does really well on the internet. Well, I mean, you talk about incendiary content. Your your first like major take was with some caveats, you basically said 
that your quarterback, who nobody knows who he is, I'm not even going to mention him, uh, is better than Patrick Mahomes, who everybody knows who he is, which was, you know, incendiary. Well, his and- name is Josh Allen, and I don't even have to say that because people know that, but... <laughs> Do I really like have strong opinions about who's the better quarterback or not? I know like he's my quarterback, so I like him, but I just took that as an opportunity to just antagonize people and marshal evidence. Like all available evidence until now says that your quarterback has better statistics, just like all available evidence says that global warming is real. But I was like, you know what? Let me just go in there without the facts and just see what I could stir up. And I had fun. I invented new arguments. Like I, I compared Patrick Mahomes to Magic Johnson and, and Josh. Yeah. Yeah, that was a Jordan. unique one. Yeah. But you, you, you made Josh Allen Michael Jordan. But it's it's better. <laughs> it's honestly better. This is probably why pe- right-wing people have more fun on the internet than left-wing people. It's better when you don't have the facts on your side mm-hmm. because then you don't feel like you have that much to lose. You don't get that frustrated. You're like, all right, this is kind of preposterous, but I'm just going to get creative with my arguments. Well, and you get to sit back and watch people just lose their minds. Yes. Over people it. were calling me clown and all this kind of stuff. and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you were correcting my spelling, which I realize is your move. So I'm going to check my spelling from now on whenever we argue about something. Uh, well, it's just you, you, you misspelled Mahomes. Like that's, but that's it should be, there should be an L in there. I think if we're being honest, like, it's like Holmes, like, you know, Holmes and Watson, you know? Okay. Like, so your view is they spell it wrong. The whole yeah, family. He, he needs it. Well, let's not get into the family. Okay. <laughs> so I think we've exhausted the amount of time our producer is going to allow us <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to keep yeah, this Yeah, that's the air. other thing is we are unsupervised. Yeah, that's why you've gotten all this on the front end, but let's get into the news. In very serious news, the Democrats attempted to pass voting rights and predictably were scuttled by the filibuster. Cinema and Manchin continue to oppose any changes to the filibuster to allow voting rights to go through. And and this seems like for this year, at least, unless we add people to the Senate and uh, maintain the House, it looks like for the foreseeable future, we don't have a shot at getting voting rights passed in Congress. What should our listeners take from this? Is there anything else we can do other than help elect Democrats to help further the cause of voting rights at the national level? Well, so I guess what I would say is like Joe Manchin, (laughs) I don't think this is going to give anybody comfort. Joe Manchin seems to truly believe that there might be a bipartisan solution here. Like I've talked to people who have talked to him and he's like, no, really, like you've got to give me more evidence I can take to the Republicans. So I don't think that that's any comfort to anyone, certainly not to me. So I do think that the answer is what we've been talking about on the show, which is, you know, pivoting to all of the really important work to shore up democracy at the, not just the state level, but like the local, local level, like those county clerk races, all those election authorities. And that's huge because honestly, like the Republicans are putting more energy into trying to capture those, those positions, even than they are into like worrying about whether the filibuster holds. It's no secret that I love Athletic Greens. What I love about Athletic Greens is that it's just one scoop that you could take. For me, I take it in the morning, and it gives you 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. And it's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus, aging, all the things. And what I love about Athletic Greens AG1 is that it costs less than $3 a day. And they're really popular. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Plus, they're recommended by professional athletes, professional podcasters, and 
What's really interesting is the founding story of this company. They were created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. And that routine cost them $100 a day. So compare that to $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com majority. Again, that's athleticgreens.com majority to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, obviously, this has been a trying few years, and you add on that all the uncertainty happening in the world with our politics, with the markets. Obviously, there's just a lot happening in the world, and it's really hard to just stay happy and fulfilled and to keep your balance. And that's why I like BetterHelp, because they help you assess your needs and match you with licensed professional therapists, and they connect you in a safe and private online environment, and it's really convenient. What I really like about it is that you can start communicating in under 48 hours, but it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. So this service is available to clients worldwide. You can find the particular expertise you need online and you don't need to limit yourself to counselors located near you. BetterHelp has counselors that specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, and more. And anything you share is confidential, plus it's convenient, professional, and affordable. So I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com m54. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com m54. One thing that was interesting in the state of Arizona is cinema, who's seen her polling numbers drop precipitously, and not just with Democrats, with independents too in the state of Arizona, uh, was censured by the Arizona Democratic Party. Actually, one of our arena folks, a former arena fellow, is the chair of the Democratic Party there who led that effort. I have mixed feelings about censure because I view it as a tool that Republicans use to punish never Trumpers. And so I feel like in a weird way, we kind of leaned into that and it's kind of meaningless because it's just a symbolic act. At the same time though, I have serious issues with the way cinema has comported herself uh, in the public square. So I'm not sure where I come out on this censure. Where where do you come out? It's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing. Like it is, it's, it's confusing because when the Republicans like uh, Liz Cheney and stuff like that, when they come after Liz Cheney in her state, we're like, my God, that's how far right the party has gone, that they're they're like eating their own. But then when I saw that the Arizona Democratic Party was, I think they did like a no confidence vote or something with cinema, I was like, instinctually, I was like, that's good. That's how I feel too. But then I thought about it and I realized, I think I think this is where I've come out on the other end, which is that at the end of the day, like you have to take out the there are two parties aspect of it and not fall into the like treating them equally trap that the yeah. media tends to fall into. And kind of both sides is. Yeah, 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 don't both sides. It we realize. have actually at the lost debate on our wall, we say no both sides because we yeah. had a big problem with that in the beginning, especially because we're a C3 that we'd be like concocting ways to like compare the two parties. Mm-hmm. And it was just so phony and silly that we had to write it on the wall to stop doing it. Well, and at this point, like I think it's instead of thinking about what the two parties are doing, it's like, well, the goal here is to save democracy. Right. And like, so I actually would like to see like the Republican party in a state censure their Republican member for not standing up for democracy. So like if they censured him for that, like, I'd think that was great. So I, I actually think 
it makes sense. And then the question is like, does it in any way motivate her to change her position? I don't know if it will or not because she's not up in 22. She's up in 24. Here's my psychological profile of cinema is that she's a total contrarian, right? Like she used to be like a Green Party activist, anti-war person who didn't take any political donations. And then she, she flipped obviously to where she is right now. And she's kind of an enigma, people say or whatever. But my read on her as somebody who who has a little bit of this DNA is she's the kind of person who, if the teacher assigns a book in class, even if cinema was reading that book in class, she will stop reading that book if the teacher assigns it just so that she's not following the crowd. And so I think a part of her really gets off on being different and like interesting and all that, which would be cool if she were like an Instagram influencer, but she's a US Senator. And combined with the fact that she doesn't do a really good job of explaining herself or meeting with the, with the public. She, she seems you know? irritated at the uh, suggestion that she needs to explain herself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then she kind of just throws it back in your face. This is me being independent and all that. Meanwhile, she depended upon a lot of activists in Arizona to get elected and then basically shut them out once she got elected. Do I know the end game here? I don't know. I think I had looked at some polling data uh, months ago where I thought I, I could see what her strategy was because she was not doing well with Democrats, but she was doing really, really well with independents and Republicans relative to other Democrats. Uh, and so my sense was, all right, her theory is either she can run as an independent or just make it through the primary and then she'll be unstoppable in general because Arizona is a heavy, heavy independent state. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now some of the most recent polling I've seen shows that her standing even with independence is dropping. And so I, I do wonder where she's going to go from here. Does she run as an independent? Does she not run at all? I'm not sure if she even knows. Like sometimes I think like if, you, if you've ever been around anybody who just backs himself into a corner, or even if you've done it yourself, like sometimes I think we, we give people too much credit for some kind of long-term strategic plan. And she might just be living by the day here and just reacting. I mean, it's hard to see her winning a primary if she gets a real primary. I, I would say it's impossible in these circumstances for yeah. her to win a Democratic primary, which kind of scares me because her running as an independent would be bad uh, yeah. because it would probably mean both Democrats and Republicans. I mean, Democrats and, the, and her lose. Like whoever runs as a Democrat, she would take some of their votes. Yeah. Uh, so that would be that would be tough scenario. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I worry. I, it's just really hard to imagine. And, and that's the like uh instinctual part of me when i saw the party was taking that position i was like good maybe she'll get a primary which is interesting because that's really not how i'm built but yeah. i'm so over the idea of having democrats who are elected who are not going to do what's right to save democracy now what i think is interesting is like Anybody out there who's thinking that this will in any way influence what Joe Manchin does needs to understand that that's not going to happen. Right. Like, I mean, maybe the best case scenario at the end of this is, you know, she doesn't run again, you know, and maybe becomes a pharma lobbyist with a really successful sub stack or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, that would be, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like, if she, I think. She'll be a Democratic consultant. Uh, that'll be her Chiron on Fox News when she's hired as a contributor for a year. Like, right. You know, she'll, no, it'll be Democratic senator, former Democratic senator. So, Well, I think a lot of people paint her as a sellout because she takes like money from big corporations and stuff like that. And there's been an interesting pushback to that. You know, Matthew Iglesias, for example, he, he argued, and I, th I find this somewhat persuasive that that's the wrong way to look at cinema is that that she's taking this money and the money's changing her positions. I think in a way she's getting the money because of her positions, not taking it because of her positions. And I think the right read on her, and obviously nobody knows for sure, the right read on her is that 
she's just an eclectic, not not necessarily a sellout. And that because like in the Democratic Party, you could be a sort of Warren-esque or Bernie-esque grassroots person and collect just as much donations as somebody who does grass tops. And it's probably a better way to live your life because it's just mm-hmm. you don't have to be at all these fundraisers or begging rich people for money all the time. As, as you know, that's like a horrible way to live is doing call time all the time. And she was set up in some ways to be that person given part of a record. But I think she's just kind of, she sees the party going in a certain direction. She wants to be different and corporations are rewarding her for that is my read on her. Well, and she's put herself in a position where she doesn't have the option of going out to the grassroots and raising money. Yeah. So now, it's, now she has only one option left. Yeah. Know? I mean, that's, that's the path to the dark side, to be honest, right. is like, you just turn on everything that you were elected on. And then eventually, I mean, look at Tulsi Gabbard. Like, I don't know what happened there, but like now she's, I guess she's like right wing or what she is. She's just sort of going to where people will listen to her. Right. Yeah. She was an even stranger case because first of all, you have the whole Hawaii situation with Tulsi Gabbard, which is like trying to figure out the politics of Hawaii is super fascinating. And, and given her heritage, I've always been fascinated by her. She looks like almost like she could be my sister. But she says like 50% of the things she says, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then she starts talking about like Syria and stuff. And she sounds like a little crazy to me. And I'm like, who's the constituency for this? Uh, <laughs> well, it turns know? out nobody because she yeah. was like, I, I think I'm done running for things. Right. You know. Right. So I know so many people are in the middle of clinging to their New Year's resolutions. And so many people are about eating right. That certainly was a central part of one of my New Year's resolutions. And that's why I love Sakara. They sent me a package of different foods. And these are just amazing, healthy, plant-rich meals. I particularly like their pasta alla vodka with kale parmesan. I love this company. Their meals are super delicious and super healthy for you. And I'm just trying to eat more plants in general. And so I love the idea that they're anchored in food as medicine and they're on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, dinners are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb sugar cravings, which is something I definitely experience, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door. So right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when they go to sakara.com slash majority54 or enter majority54 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash majority54 to get 20% off your first order, sakara.com slash majority54. So I know a lot of people in my life who have overextended themselves over the past few years, and it's really hard to dig yourself out of a hole once you've gotten into it. That's why I really like our sponsor, Upstart. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over 1 million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. And I can't say enough about how important that is, just to simplify everything and get the best possible rate you can get. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score. So rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart models consider other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com majority54. That's upstart.com majority54. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash majority54. 
let's talk about Republican politics for a second. So one thing that happened that we didn't talk about last week is that Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, and Donald Trump got in a bit of a tiff. Uh, DeSantis has not, like he's been asked directly whether he was boosted and he was asked on TV whether he was boosted uh, and refused to answer. And then Trump went on TV, uh, I think he went on OAN, and without naming DeSantis, Trump confirmed that he was boosted and then called out the cowards, or I forget the exact name, gutless, gutless politicians who refused to say whether they are or not. And I think, you know, listeners, I hope you're sitting down here because this might be a first, but I, I was kind of enjoying what Trump was saying there because <laughs> if, if you take the man out of it, it's like what we call right for the wrong reasons. Like I don't, his reasons are totally ego driven, but it was fascinating to see him say something true and kind of root for him to be successful in that argument, like smacking down DeSantis. It was like, I had to almost take a shower after I watched it. I was like, I, I feel weird about my emotions looking at this clip. It reminded me of the 2016 Republican debates when he was just up there just sort of trashing each of the other candidates. And he was correct most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And at the time you thought, well, he's, he's not going to be the nominee, but like, this is delightful to watch. Right. But so, yeah, you can't, you can't, in any way rekindle that feeling because yeah. you know like this how dangerous he is yeah and he's gonna be their nominee right. and all that but so but yeah and to your point about it's for ego-driven reasons i mean the the vaccines the most important thing he did he knows that he knows that like he wants credit for the things that biden is currently getting credit for and he's like really really mad that the party has turned on the vaccine because he's like that's my thing that's how right. i'm gonna get reelected right. you jerks which is actually smart in my opinion because like do i here's my my calculus on this I mean, he said he's like you're playing right into their hands like, right and like for him I don't think there are anti-vax right wingers who are not going to vote for Trump. I think they'll just they'll they'll just look past it, right? I think there are independents who look at him and be like, "Oh, yeah, he's like this. He's telling it like it is, and he's definitely standing up to his party." I think this is dangerous, and I think it's a reminder. And obviously, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I despise Trump, and I'm just describing the phenomenon. That's the, that's the value we're providing here. Is like it's a reminder of how his appeal works. Because I think often, like you listen to a lot of left wing media, and you just think he's a raving lunatic who makes no sense, which is certainly how he shows up in a lot of things. But you forget that there are these lucid moments where he can be really compelling, and 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 his salesmanship is I'm the guy who says what other people won't, and I think you got to strap in because he's now had some time to think through this and it's as as dumb and weird as he is about a lot of things he does have this reptilian sense of how to push his base and the american people and so we just gotta we gotta saddle up for whatever's coming next well it's really interesting to watch him figure out where the line is right because he goes he he says it's a terrible strategy to to give the left credit for the vaccine you're gutless if you don't say whether you've got it and all that but then he also is like now i don't think it ought to be mandated i mm -hmm. think that's wrong that's where he stops and goes well, but this is how Biden got it wrong and how I can keep my people motivated because he is a little afraid about that really, really far right anti-vax fringe yep. being like, no, I'm done with him. But he doesn't have to do that that much because he, I think he's figured out like, okay, so if I'm in a Republican primary with a bunch of other, a bunch of other people, like I can be the one that's I'm pro vaccine and that's going to cost me some people, but those people are going to divide among like four other people who right. are going to go for the anti-vaccine thing. So I still end up with the people I need. Totally. He's got a total lock 
on that party. And what I find fascinating is what what a lot of people are speculating that's driving him to go after DeSantis is that DeSantis is fairly unique in not saying he won't run if Trump runs. And I, as a political strategist, find this interesting why DeSantis wouldn't just say that. Because DeSantis has a 0% chance, in my opinion, of beating Trump in that primary. I think anybody has a 0% chance. And so if I was DeSantis, why not just say you're not running? Because if Trump doesn't run, then you can jump in and you have the loyalty of his supporters. But picking this fight seems silly to me. So I think, here's my theory on that. My theory is is that because he knows he's the only person who can't be Trump's running mate, mm. because they're both Florida residents. Right. People forget that like Dick Cheney had to change his residency because he was living in Texas is and that working for Halbert. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, yeah. Wow. Or at like, least there's a, like, I guess, good politics is to, to geographically I think, here, diversify. I'm going to look it up. All right, so I looked it up. So basically what it says is is that there's a misconception that the law says that they can't, but what the Constitution actually says is it says an elector cannot vote for two people uh, from his state because originally the president and vice president were voted for separately, and that hasn't actually changed. So in most elections, this wouldn't matter, but the reason it could have possibly ended up mattering uh, like in 2000 is that if it's a very close election, then you could have a, a real problem where you couldn't have those two people actually put in by the elector. So functionally, it's like to be on the safe side, you really can't pick somebody from your own state. If you're DeSantis and you're like, well, Trump's not moving back to New York because he's worried about getting indicted. He's worried yeah. about all the tax implications. Well, like, why not just be the one guy who is willing to say that, I guess. Well, that reminds me, you know, Maggie Haberman tweeted this week that People close to Trump, you know, Maggie Tra Haberman is at the New York Times, a reporter who came from New York press even before she was covering the presidency. So has a close relationship with Trump, close and antagonistic relationship with Trump. So she knows a lot about him, said that people close to Trump say, which could mean Trump, by the way, that any doubt about whether he was going to run was now uh, completely erased now that Tish James, the New York Attorney General, has announced that she's basically going to bring the civil case against Trump. And uh, and I think it's a good place to stop because we talked about this six months ago, just like what the implications of this case in New York are. Uh, so just to, to give our listeners a little bit of a primer, Tish James this week basically said, hey, we've got a strong case against Trump. And essentially, it amounts to him inflating the value of his holding so that he can get favorable loan terms and said that she's going to be uh, subpoenaing Trump and his kids for questioning. That's the civil case, which is at the New York Attorney General's office. You have the criminal case, which is at the Manhattan District Attorney's office. And we actually just had the Manhattan District Attorney in my office the other day. And I asked him about that case. And essentially, my position on this, and I talked about this six months ago, and it's only become stronger, is that these cases are tricky. Like, because... It's a former president of the United States. It's very politically polarized. I know our audience wants to see him behind bars. I would love to see him behind bars uh, in a valid way. But as I pointed out before, when Tish James and Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, ran for office and made general statements about wanting to like hold Trump accountable and, and investigate him in general ways and all that, they were tripping a wire that I think they shouldn't have. And I think both should recuse themselves because you can't have people running for political office legal political positions, making statements about individuals like that, and then overseeing their investigation. They should recuse themselves for that, especially when you have such high profile political cases. Like, No matter what they did, putting an individual in jail 
can't be like a campaign promise. Yes. Like like a specific person. Yeah. You know. And I asked the DA about this and he's my friend. I was yeah. the first person to endorse him. And he he said, and this worried me, he said it was my promise to to do this. And so I have to I have to I have to abide by it. And I'm like, that's the opposite. That's exactly why this is a problem. Like like the fact that you feel like you have to uphold that promise means that you're biased. And so to be clear, I think it is near certainty that Trump has broken many laws in his life. And I, and I could point to a few that I know for sure, just based on the impeachment proceedings. But this is dangerous. And as I pointed out a few a few months ago, when Matthew Whitaker was the acting attorney general uh, in the Trump administration, he had made prejudicial statements about the Mueller investigation and Democrats, including Pelosi, Schumer, Nadler, attorneys general all around the country, called on Whitaker to recuse himself for the very same reason that I'm calling on uh, Tish James and Alvin to recuse himself. And the reason why I mention this again is that I think this is super explosive. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to heat up just as the 2024 election is heating up. It could see Trump and family members behind bars. It could lead to like a very strange scenario. And this gets to the DeSantis Trump thing where Trump is in Florida and there are charges brought in New York. And we have this weird interstate extradition issue, which normally is not a big deal, mm -hmm. but in a scenario where it's politicized, you could imagine a scenario where like Florida authorities refuse to comply with New York and the FBI is brought in. And then this gets to the whole fascinating Trump DeSantis dynamic. And I don't want to sound like a loon, but this could be an unprecedented situation. I want to make clear to everybody, what you're not saying is he shouldn't be investigated or potentially no. prosecuted. You're saying they should, their office should do it. Yes. They should recuse themselves from it. Yeah. And here, here's, I gave him an analogy about uh, Arkansas last time, basically saying like, if somebody ran for office in Arkansas, attorney general, Republican saying, I want to lock up the Clintons or whatever, and then won, and then did bring charges, we'd all be pissed about it. But like another scenario is there's a difference between if wrongdoing is brought to you as the attorney general and then you investigate it versus you say, I'm going to, she made statements to Tish James, like I'm going to turn over every rock and I'm going to look over all his finances. That is, that is, that, that trips a lot of wires for me. Cause that's like saying if I ran for attorney, uh, district attorney in Staten Island and, you know, Vito Fussell is a very prominent Republican there. And I'm like, Vito Fussell is a crook. And then I won. And then I basically had a traffic cop follow him everywhere he went and then eventually charged him with some kind of crime. That would be wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So like how the, the wrongdoing is brought to you also matters. Uh, and that's why I think we've, we've botched this. She sh there's no reason why she couldn't have just walled this off. And do I think it matters with Trump's base? They're going to say it's politically motivated no matter what. But as somebody who cares in the rule of law, about the rule of law, like it's really important for us as a party to uphold these standards. Well, and also because you want to make sure that if there is an actual conviction or a, a judgment in a civil case against them, you want to make sure it holds up. And like, 100%. you could totally see something going to this Supreme Court and them seizing on something like that. And, 100%. and then you've made not just a poor political decision, but also a poor legal decision. Right, right. This conversation of like the legal implications of things brought to you by a guy who never took the bar and a guy who did, but doesn't really use his license no. anymore at all. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this has been law talk with but, Robbie But I'm Jason. so fascinated by <laughs> but this I think we're right. as a New York resident and also somebody who's really close with the person, the most important person in this equation outside of Trump is Alvin Bragg, who uh, I have a lot of faith in as a human being. And I continue to push this publicly that like he has the power because that's the criminal. I'm, I'm not as worried about civil stuff. The criminal stuff to me, putting a former president behind bars, no matter how much I despise this guy has to be super proper. 
putting anybody behind bars, by the way, should be super proper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this case, it is a hundred million times more important to get this right because of the implications and, and how public this is. And I'm just concerned about it. Let's uh, move to Road to the Midterms. Uh, This is our new segment where we're going to be highlighting uh, a 2022 race uh, every week. And let's stay on Arizona. You have a friend. I I would call him a friend or an acquaintance, Adrian uh, Fontes, uh, who is running for what office? Secretary of State. And uh, this will be, I think, a nice surprise to Adrian. He didn't didn't even know we were going to talk about it. Uh, Folks who are interested in that race, uh, everybody should be, right? I mean, you can't really come up with a more consequential Secretary of State's race. I mean, maybe there are a few who are tied for it, but than Arizona right now. Um, but Adrian, uh, if you're interested in, in him as a candidate, and on, you know, if you want to go back, you we interviewed him, what like a week or a few, a couple weeks after the 2020 election. Adrian had been the the county recorder uh, in Arizona. As county recorder, he ran the election and he ran it extremely well, did a great job. And as evidence of that and how you know ethical he is, it was a very close race in which, uh, yes, Biden uh, did carry his county, but Adrian didn't. Adrian lost in the election that he oversaw. And I remember we actually talked with him. Just uh, as he found this out, I ju- think. Yeah, yeah, just as he found it out. And so if you are interested in what kind of a guy Adrian is and what kind of an incredibly ethical person and Marine Adrian is, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, but that's a crucial race. And let me talk about his opponent. So this is guy, I think his name is Matt Finkham or Fincham. Uh, and this is the guy who got Trump's endorsement already. And he's a, he's a lawmaker from Oro Valley. Uh, and he has been promoting election fraud theories, Jason, surprise. He was in DC for the Stop to Steal rally. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not sure if he was at the rally, but he was in DC, which is suspect. And he has described the uh, riot in January 6th as, quote, what happens when the people feel they have been ignored and Congress refuses to acknowledge rampant fraud. So this is the person who, uh, Adrian, if he won the primary, I guess we still have a primary to go, uh, he would be who he'd be going up against. And needless to say, this is critical that we stop this person from overseeing elections in the state of Arizona. Yeah. I mean, if you remember, like after the 2020 election, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state in Arizona, was she was on TV constantly because she had to go on and be like, no. That's mm-hmm. not true. That rumor is not true. Nope. That's not how we do it. Nope. We're doing it on the up and up. Uh, and so you got to ask yourself, do you want this fellow Fincham or whatever it is in one of the most crucial states or, or do you want a guy like Adrian? And I think you want a guy like Adrian. Adrian has no idea we we're going to talk about this. So you, after you hear this, I'm not even going to tell him. Go on and find Adrian. Uh, he's at Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N underscore Fontes, F-O-N-T-E-S on Twitter. So what I would encourage folks to do is uh, go to his website, make a donation, and then just tweet at at Adrian and be like, hey, I heard about it on Majority 54. Keep up the good work. You know, just be a nice little surprise like uh, on Thursday for Adrian. Yeah. And uh, and to be clear, like we generally try to let primaries play out. So I didn't like, even know if he had one. So. Yeah. And so if you if you support one of his primary opponents or anything like that, you know, we're 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 open as a show. Send in a voicemail or tweet at us and, you know, marketplace of ideas. Uh, we'll check out those candidates, too. We, we want to be fair. Uh, and also, if you have ideas of races, 2022 races that you want us to cover, send it to us. Send it in a voicemail. We depend on you to uh, to help surface uh, some of the best candidates and races out there in the country. 
so yeah, tell us about races that you think we ought to be engaged in. And in particular, like we want to know about races that we wouldn't necessarily find otherwise, like a county clerk's race, a recorder's race, you know, people who are overseeing elections at the local level, uh, or people who appoint folks who do. So like if there's mayors like in Wisconsin who are appointing folks uh, to election boards, that kind of thing, let us know about it. Uh, 508-687-2589, 508-687-2589. Uh, I'm at Jason Kander on Instagram and Twitter. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Twitter and Instagram. The show is at Majority54 on Twitter. I would encourage you, because uh, we don't know as we uh, record this what the outcome of the game is going to be. Uh, I'll be honest, like, I'm nervous about 50-50 it. 50-50 is how I feel. And yeah, me my too. Uber driver felt the same way. Yeah. We had a, we had a good spirit discussion. Actually, funny enough, we were we started talking trash to each other about the game and quickly descended into talking trash about Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> just agreeing And we that. were just like, politics transcends sports. This is the lesson of Majority 54. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do the sign-off. Uh, remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch, Edie Allard, and Adesua Agbanile. Theme music provided by Kemet Coleman. And special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.